0: Hey, what's up, Real Madrid fans? Uh, we're back with another podcast. I'm extremely frustrated because we've started this podcast like four times now. There seems to be this really w- weird sound in the background. So if you can't hear it, I'm super glad. But if you can, I apologize. And hopefully this content is good enough that you can uh, see past that. Anyway, it's just me and Hassan once again. I mean, I say just, but it's a pretty freaking cool duo. Today's <laughs> podcast we're going to be talking about. The game against Valencia, which happened yesterday, and then we're going to take a look at the Champions League draw, which of course happened very, very early in the morning for me, and once again at a more appropriate time for Hassan. but I shall stop talking now, Hassan, your overall thoughts on the game against valencia
1: uh first half was brilliant you can't really not was, uh, I wrote it in my takeaways, which I'm sure about to go out anytime soon uh that the second that the second half was. You just saw, you saw them gradually kind of lose a grip of the game, uh, and I can, I, I the metaf- sort of metaphorical word that I, or metaphorical term that I use is it was like a, a phone box scrap. It was just like toe to toe, constant back and forth. They attack, we attack. They attack, we attack. Um, it, it was just like an all out dog fight uh, in the second half, whereas in the first, uh, press was perfect. Counter press was perfect. Um, you yeah, had Benzema, Isco, and Modric operating in all the half spaces. Uh, it's making some wonderful sequences. Uh, Tony Kroos was absolutely monstrous with his passing again. I think he completed 100% of his 60, 60 or 61 passes that he made in the first half. Uh, Benzema was just everywhere. Tony and, yeah, Cruz perfect, perfect, perfect. three
0: top. passes yesterday. Three.
1: Yeah, that's bonkers. I think he finished up with like ninety-seven percent passer accuracy or something like that.
0: I think it was like ninety-seven point eight, and I think he had like a hundred and fifteen passes or something.
1: Like, stu- yeah, that's just ludicrous. It's just it's 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 like not, not even abnormal at this point for him to be doing that. And it, was, uh, it sorry, go ahead. That's just because that's the standard we're at now. He's just he's so good as expected. It's
0: amazing that he had that kind of a game, like that staggering statistic, because. Just recently, like, I'm pretty sure everyone has seen the tweets circulating around the timelines, but there's an interview that um, Casemiro did, and he basically said something, I'm paraphrasing, of course, to the effect that Tony Cruz is the metronome of the team, and he controls how fast or how slow we play the game. And I was just like, and, and it's so spot on, like, I'm not saying I'm like the perfect tactician, but like, that's something I've said for a while, like, the game clearly flows through him, and like... It's all his, his doing. Like he pulls all the strings. He may not have the assist or like you know the perfect ball every single time. Most of the time he will, but it's just like it goes to show that you don't have to be on the stat sheet to be an effective player. And in Tony Cruz's, you know, case, he's the most effective player, and, and that's been happening for years. So it just goes to show, like you said, like just monster game, industrious, like, German class. I don't know, you could go on forever, pulling out a thesaurus and just listing off things that he's so good at. But I I found yesterday's game, for me, really funny because usually Madrid come into games and they kind of need, like, a kick up the ass, and it takes time for them to get, you know, get shit in gear and, like, get things going. And they'll start very slow and lackadaisical, and then... You know, by the 35th minute, the last 10 minutes of the first half are pretty good, then they go into the locker room, then they come back with the same bullshit again, and it's like, okay, well, what happened from the last 10 minutes of the first half to the beginning of the second half? And then once again, it takes time to get back into the game. But this one was the opposite for me. Like, yes, the first half was good, but I think the first 15 minutes were the best that Madrid had the whole game. Quick press, move the ball around so quickly, like Valencia could not get their foot on the ball, and even when they did, they weren't able to play out of the back quickly. Like Madrid, were just there, like grabbing the ball again, cycling it through, you know, pushing it around, swinging balls over. It. Like it was wicked to see. But then it yeah, it was down.
1: Wonderful. Really
0: wonderful. Yeah, it just broke down, and then Valencia started getting chances as well, and then they started going into, the, you know, Madrid's final third. And I think inside fifteen minutes, the possession was like. Seventy nine, twenty one, or something stupid like that. Like, it was at least sixty five, thirty five. I know that much. But I was just like, okay, this is great. Like, these are good signs. And then it kind of just teetered off from there. I was like, what the hell happened?
1: Yeah, it's a combination of things, I think. Um, obviously, Fede Valverde kind of showed why he's not a natural defensive midfielder. You saw he was often off to the right and a bit further advanced than he should have been. Obviously, that leaves a bit of a gap in the middle, which um, it just sort of it leaves players to make those runs. Uh, I need to highlight Ferran Torres as well, because I think he had the beating of all, not Valverde, so Varane and Carvajal uh, consistently. Every time he made a run at them, he was just so dangerous. Yeah. Um, that turn, I was talent. surprised he missed <laughs> yeah.
0: shot. Oh, my God. I was
1: amazed myself. I, I literally looked at that. I was like, that's going top pins, isn't it? It's just
0: going to go straight in the top corner. I was not be able to
1: stop it. He um,
0: shot it right at Courtois, and I was like, okay, cool, I'll take that.
1: Yeah, I think anybody would have taken that at that point, because it literally looked like it was destined to be a goal. Um, yeah, he, he just had the beating of Varane and Carval every time he ran at them, um, and it was quite scary to watch at times. You could see why Real tried to sign in three times. Um, he's, he definitely looks like a talent who's going to become a serious household name in the coming years. Um I thought Nacho was okay on the left, largely. I mean, I know his he lost a duel in midfield, I think, which led to the goal. Um, but by and large, considering it's his first game back from injury, uh, I don't think he did awfully bad. I'm going to say now, Isco was a total waste of space in this game, to be honest. Um, literally contributed nothing really going forward. Didn't contribute much in the way of dribbles, uh, key passes, didn't really do much on the other end of harrying players out of possession, really. I mean, I know it's not his job, but just, yeah, generally speaking, I just, I don't think he did a lot in that game. He just kept sort of giving the ball away very cheaply, so if anything, I'm, I was quite glad to see him subbed off uh, when he was. Uh, I would have done it at half-time personally, but whatever. It's an own choice, I guess. Well, he was um,
0: effective in that game, and that's coming from me. Like, like you yeah, said. Yeah, he
1: was just bad. He was just bad. just
0: just played with 10 men like he, i don't think he did anything positive in that game like
1: it's strange man because like he had those two games like psg and i think it was alaves where he was really good like absolutely perfect and then since then he's just been terrible like to yeah the last games way, have been just like a- been terrible yeah so i don't know what what that's about whether it's just him like sort of still kind of struggling with fitness still or I mean, it's kind of been a common problem, in my opinion, since 2016-17, since he had that one season where he was brilliant every game. Yeah. Then 17-18, it was kind of like three good games and then three bad games and then two good games and three bad games. It was a continual sort of one step forward, two steps back. And I feel like that's kind of been him since. And then last season was a total write off for him anyways, because obviously he fell out with uh, – well, he didn't quite get – the chance to play under Lopetegui because of injury and then Solari came in and just completely dismissed him to the curb um, and then when Zidane did actually come back in for those last 10 to 12 games however many it was he didn't really get back into the side then so obviously this season he's been back and forth with injuries and then finally got that first start against PSG then again against Balogos put two very good performances as I said but since then it's just been like again one step forward and then two steps back it's just a strange don't you know whether it's a fitness issue or not, but if it's like if this is what he's going to do. I mean, it, it, what do you do with him? Do you move on from him in the summer? Like you, you know, it's it's one of those you can't really afford to keep a a passenger in the squad, considering that Real are obviously looking at Van der Beek and uh, Paul Pogba. On top of that, you've obviously got Valverde in the mix as well. So it's going to get very populated in that midfield, and we kind of come back to that argument of it's it's almost like uh, James and Isco are fighting for their careers in the capital of Spain at this point in time. Uh, obviously, we know the Colombian is currently away on injury, but whether he comes back and gets a chance to showcase his skills or not is the interesting thing, really.
0: I think if I'm Zidane, I'm sitting him down until the start of the Copa del Rey when there are some relatively easy, key, like easy games like games
1: yeah, up Yeah, that makes sense. And
0: the early stages of the competition, and until then... You have other kids like okay, is it a bit weird to play Vinicius in the midfield? Maybe it is, but if you if you play a four four two or you have more fluid rotations, if you can actually map that out for them and strategize with them what it is, what exactly it is they need to do over the course of ninety minutes, I think that would be possible. I think one person better than Vinicius to put into a midfield role would actually be Rodrigo because I feel like his maturity and his IQ is just a little bit ahead of Vinicius. Like he's a fair
1: bit ahead, man. I don't even think it's a little bit. It's a fair bit, I think.
0: It, he just makes better decisions, essentially. It, you're right. It is a fair bit ahead. Like, he just makes the smarter decision, the more selfless decision. I think Vinicius is a bit more of showmanship, which is great. I mean, like, we all love to see it. But sometimes you just need more of a level head. And I think that's what Rodrigo does. I think if the coaching staff actually map it out for him and, like, sit down with him, show him tape, show him examples of what it is he needs to do. I think that would be, like, an interesting kind of rotation to have. Obviously, you don't start him there every game. There's other people who are more than qualified to start in a midfield role over Rodrigo. But just to, just to quickly highlight how ineffective Isco was before... I mean, it's always great to back things up with stats. But he had one shot, didn't make it on target. He was dispossessed twice. Defensively, he had one tackle, contributed nothing else whatsoever. In terms of his passing game, he had four crosses. Not one was accurate. He didn't attempt a single long ball. So, of course, <laughs> no accurate long balls. And he had 41 passes. Karim Benzema, Federico Valverde, Luka Modric, Tony Cruz, Nacho, Rafael Varane, Sergio Ramos, Danny Carvajal all had more passes than him. Thibaut Courtois had 27. That's nearly, what is that? It's more than 50. It's more than half. Half as many, rather. I don't know why I Yeah, like it's that. the same
1: as Rodrigo, if I'm not mistaken. Rodrigo completed at a higher rate as well.
0: Yeah, so essentially, Courtois had <clears throat> 75% of the same amount of passes as Isco. Like, that... That, to me, is silly. And for a player who typically likes to drop deep and have quick little one-twos to get a feel for the ball, it's surprising that he only had 41 passes in the game. It's like, were you sleeping or what were you doing? I mean... When you have a player like Karim Benzema, who's supposed to be your flipping striker with the most key passes in a game, are you joking?
1: Yeah, that was that uh, yeah, was crazy with his six six key passes, and he was one that scored the, the goal that won the game as well. There were only uh, it was
0: other key, Sorry, there were only seven other key passes made in that game from Real Madrid, and so basically, out of the thirteen key passes of the game, Karim Benzema contributed six. That's stupid. yeah,
1: that's crazy, absolutely crazy um he's just having a, an absolute another stupendous season on the back of the last one um but he's just he's doing it all of the moment. He's creating goals he's scoring goals and even dropping back to dispossess opponents there's so many times i saw him drop even into rails uh own third and take the ball back it was it's was just stupid that that's um,
0: person oh sorry go ahead
1: it's just you don't expect it i mean yeah there's ball winning there's ball winning forwards um, I don't see them, anyone doing it as consistently as him.
0: No, but I do think one person who has picked up on that is Rodrigo. While he didn't have the most brilliant and like flashy game yesterday, I think it was more so of him being a little conservative because you are playing Valencia. You are playing a team that's ranked a little bit higher than the teams he's come up against so far. It's kind of, I, I think you could argue maybe the biggest team he's played against thus far.
1: Yeah, it's a fair comment. Um, so I I
0: don't, I don't I don't blame him for being super effective in the final third, but I mean two total tackles. He dropped back a fair bit, tried to help out. It's not so bad. Like it's a good effort. It kind of shows like Benzema's work ethic is kind of rubbing off on the other players, which is incredible because that's something you you want to see when doing positive things on the pitch almost becomes contagious, and players are seeing one another doing it, and that's causing them to do it and the manager doesn't have to tell them to do it I don't know how much like it's I'm pretty sure it's every manager's dream to have something like that happen but I don't know about you but yesterday when Tony Cruz walked over to that corner kick I was just getting the most like (laughs) 2015-16 vibes going man I was sat in the same spot in the living room like same setup everything where I usually sit and I was like oh my god this feels so much like, a couple of seasons ago, and I'm just thinking of, like, Sergio Ramos knocking this in. Like, it's some kind of a crazy connection. It wasn't him in the end, but the fact that it happened, I was like, oh, dear God. Like, I feel like it just turned back time. It was so nostalgic for me.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, I was in, it, in, in another group chat, Someone's someone was like, oh, who do you think equalized this one? I was like, Ben's in my eyes over. And <laughs> lo and behold, the man stepped up and did it, but it was in the most sort of surrealist circumstances. Was, obviously, the, the cruise corner... Um, Courtois gets his head to it of all people um, now and everyone then Benzema just smashes it into the roof of the mouth so what on earth have I just seen it was just it was sort of shithousery you could possibly think of but I'll take it on the grand scheme like in the grand scheme of things I'd, I'd take it because the Mastar is historically not an easy place to go um Valencia haven't lost there in all competitions all season, so it's a complete fortress. It's not it's not somewhere where you go and always get get three points, and it's something I've sort of echoed across to a few people I've spoken to post game, where you know I saw sort sort of the same sort of sentiments like, "Oh yeah, but should have capitalized on Barça's mistake, etc., etc." Like yeah, but even Barça like going to the Anoeta today. They knew that's a hard grind to go to, to get a winner. I think even they knew in the back of their own minds, getting a win there against uh, La Real is not easy. Uh, and it's the same going to the Mastari phase in Valencia. It's one of the hardest games in the, on the in the league calendar. You know, the same as going to, you know, going to visit Sevilla away is always a hard game. Um, it's right up there, man. So to walk away with anything is, I'd say, a bonus. And it hasn't exactly put us behind in the title race, still exactly neck and neck with Barca. only just behind on goal difference. So sure. it's um, it's not the worst scenario in the world. Yeah, everyone wants to win, but sometimes you've got to take context into into account and realise it's not actually always a foregone conclusion. It's a bit like Eyebar away or something like that. You could be like, yeah, okay, probably Rail should be winning there. But it's not. It's a Champions League club um, who are also on a high from just quite literally from just qualifying for the Champions League when they went and obviously beat Ajax, um, you know, they're, they're still buoyed by that. So they were, they were going to come into this game with that extra lift and in in, an extra spring in their step. And the, those kind of teams are always hard to come up against. Even with some of the absentees they had, obviously, you know, they didn't have Maxi Gomez, who was like one of the sort of marquee signings, Gonzalo Guedes wasn't playing uh Jasper Cillessen was also out of out of the net who's their starting keeper. So yeah man it's you know yeah there was some key absences but it's no no pushover hard in that any stretch of the means.
0: Well yeah cuz to that same effect I mean we also didn't have some people of course Casemiro didn't play for obvious reasons risk of getting a yellow card that like he's always you know a person who is just so so important such a big game player in the midfield. And then, while well, you did mention Nacho didn't have a horrible game, which he didn't—I mean, first start since injury, his third game all season—is not bad considering how little he's played and to have to come into such a big game. And he—he he did have a pretty decent performance, not like it was a horrible performance. So, I mean, good on him. Three interceptions, two clearances, and a block shot, and that's just defensively, including a tackle. It's, it's pretty damn solid. I think the one thing though that you obviously missed then is having like someone who can actually advance the ball and get up the field I feel like if Vinny had Furlan Mendy there to help him out to you know for like quick interplay things like that that would have been a huge bonus for him
1: yeah definitely would have been a bonus but um I mean the same Brett and I said this uh again in one of my takeaways I said this team's only going to get better given the absentee so you mentioned you know Mendy you know, Marcelo is bound to be available soon again. Obviously, just after the classic host, he's been deemed officially out of that now. Eden uh, Hazard still yet to come back. I think he's only just start back back into the gym. Actually, saw the photo early, which is great news. Uh, Casemiro would again be at the base of midfield, which would shore that midfield up a lot. You know, a lot more than what Fede would have done in the same position. Obviously, no disrespect to Fede, but he's just not he's not Casemiro in that sense. So, considering all that. And the fact that they still managed to put in that first half performance is really actually quite quite impressive. Um, and to obviously come away with something from that game in that situation is also quite impressive. It is I mean, impressive. if you compare that to Barcelona, Barcelona mm. were thoroughly outplayed by uh, Real Sociedad. Like, quite thoroughly outplayed. Whereas we weren't really outplayed by Valencia for much of that game at all. There were a few moments where they were all over, sure. But I'd say for at least... Sixty-five to seventy percent of that game, Rail was, you know, the better side in that, and they definitely deserved a point at least in that game.
0: I, I don't know if this is a stretch or whatever, but I think it's fair to say those first fifteen minutes, Valencia looked a little shell-shocked. And I think yeah, they many were.
1: They were literally getting strangled in their own half. Yeah, like and, quite and literally and getting were, strangled.
0: Many fans were also super surprised to see Madrid come out like so guns blazing like right off the bat you know like I said earlier usually Madrid take their time and like ease their way into a game maybe tie our teams out kind of figure out what their defensive structure is like and then work around or through that but this game was just like yeah let's just get at it so I don't know I think in the future though while Fetty didn't have the greatest of games and I think that comes down to um that I think that just comes down to experience though like, that Casemiro role that he took from Xabi Alonso, like, that's not a role that anyone can just come in. Like, any role on the pitch. But I think that defensive midfielder, especially the way Zidane likes it played, I think that's one that takes a little bit more uh, curating to kind of figure out and kind of just be on the beat every single time. And, like, just make sure you're getting things right. It's such a hard role to play because you are in the middle of the park, but you have to cover... The length plus the width, it's almost like box to box minus the creativity, which I think can be a little bit harder because you need to be able to read the other team and like quick. There's no time to waste.
1: It just goes against his nature, doesn't it? You can see it was against his nature. He just looked like he wanted to just spring forward every time he was in in around the ball. Um, So I guess it's hard to kind of break that instinct.
0: It is. I think that's kind of like the, it's almost like a young puppy syndrome. You know, like when you, you have a puppy, yeah. like, very excited and like super energetic. It always wants to play and like have fun. And you can't fault him for that. I mean, like, first of all, it's not like the kid just showed up out of nowhere. He, he's put in all the flipping work required and he's proven that he should be on the pitch. It's just playing that role is just going to take a bit of time and experience. And I think with that time, he'll be able to, get the most out of his game because having a player who is able to you know be impactful while also feeling their impact like feeling their worth towards the common goal of the win or the title or whatever it is that's also super important because you could have a player who has all the skill in the world but if you play them in a position that they don't want to be in or they don't find any joy or enjoyment in doing then like what's the point it's almost like a it really is a career. Like if you make a lot of money doing something you hate, it might be great in the short term, but in the long term there's no point in doing it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's uh, it's it's a very sort of important thing to take in, take into uh into account when obviously watching and making the idea that uh I mean so many people said that yeah, Fede can just automatically be the sub for Casemiro in coming years. Yeah, he can definitely perform there. I'm not saying he can't, but he won't be as effective as an actual CDM. That's the problem. And you kind of always run that risk, uh, which is, I've I said it in a few places, which is why I think they should prioritize getting an actual CDM instead of getting in you know, midfields. They don't necessarily need, I, in my eyes, Paul Pogba. I don't think he's majorly important. I'd rather go in and pick up another CDM um, and then bring in you know, the likes of, Van de Beek and you know Erdegaard to shore up that creative gap instead of splashing a hundred plus million on Paul Pogba and then you know potentially stunting the likes of Valverde because they won't get as many minutes, especially if they sign Van de Beek alongside him. Um, how do you how do you fit all these people in? You, you just it's not feasibly possible, so it makes more sense to get another CDM. Far more sense, you know. There's there's plenty on the market. You've got mark rocker uh, who's obviously a, a little league of talent already we've already seen him you know you've got i think is it i'm not sure if Francis is right Camavinga as well who's you know getting a lot of headlines in france there's plenty of you know CDMs out there you could pick up you know on the cheap, not necessarily people who cost you a huge amount uh, that will be more beneficial to that position than Valverde would would be. So it's just a case of you know, prioritizing things properly in my eyes.
0: Um. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> there, there is like literally nothing I can add to that. You got everything right on the head. I think the only thing that I would have to say is, just save the money for Mbappe. Like, the, I feel like if I just comment more on Pogba, it's just gonna seem like I hate him. It's just <laughs> I, I, because I, I, I don't know. You've known. We've known one another for a while. Have I ever been pro Pogba? I don't think I have. Like, I don't think my stance Uh, on that. I don't think
1: either of us really have. Like, yeah, I respect him. No, like, what he brings to the table, but I'm not. I'm just not sold. I don't. I'm not sold on the need.
0: Yeah, he's a good player, but if you know, if I had to go start my own team tomorrow and I had like a stupid budget to play with, I, I, I wouldn't sign Pogba either. Like, I, I would. And it's not because I don't like him or I think he's a bad player. It's just it doesn't make sense, it's the amount of money you have to cough up. But anyway, enough of that. Let's quickly go over the Champions League. That draw was this morning. Um, yeah, I was going to pull up all the matches, but who cares about the rest of the matches? I'll pull it up in the meantime while you start talking about this. Manchester City versus Real Madrid. Are you going to go to the game, by the way?
1: I want to try if I can get tickets. I will definitely try and get to the empty head. Um, because let's be frank, they're probably not going to sell it out. They never sell anything out. So really, uh, I mean- chances of no. Their their attendance records are genuinely terrible. Um, wow. They, I mean, they do things like offering. Uh, See, so I'm not sure if you you've heard of it. There's an app in the UK called Unidos. Okay. Um, where you basically get student, you get students get discounts on things. Wow. Uh, and Manchester City put tickets on there fifty percent off in order to sell things out. Well, okay, That's real quick,
0: real quick before I ask your take on it. So the the fixtures are Borussia Dortmund versus PSG, Madrid City, of course, Atalanta versus Valencia, Atleti versus Liverpool, Chelsea versus Bayern Munich, Olympic Lyon versus Juve, Tottenham versus Leipzig. I remembered how to say it. <laughs> <laughs> and Napoli versus Barcelona. So, a lot of Spanish teams, a lot of English teams. And it's interesting. I'm not happy about seeing so many English teams there, though, but whatever.
1: Uh, it is what it is, isn't it? I mean, they had a successful year last year. Um, and, I mean, you can't really knock them all that much. They're, they're pretty good English teams out there with some good talent. No, they obviously headline yeah, by Liverpool, keep- but... I'm just tired of... To... Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what yeah. you mean. It's going to bring out those sort of fans who are... Well, we don't need to go into it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an interesting draw. And I think it's the first time in a long time, or it might even be... Okay, I think it's just the first time in a long time where you've had just the top five leagues in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the last 16, which is interesting. And I, I see a lot of people complaining about it, saying it's going to become a prevalent thing because... X, Y, and Z cash flows and all that kind of thing. Yeah,
0: but like if you're good, you're good. So like I don't know what the hell you want. want to exactly
1: do. what what you want to do, but it's not just that. I mean, realistically, if you look at it, um, it's not really that. It's I don't think that's true. If I'm honest, I don't think it's going to become a consistent thing. I just think this year, some sides have bottled it. Ajax bottled it, to say the least. I mean they they couldn't qualify in a group which contained Chelsea, and Chelsea just lost at home to Bournemouth.
0: Well, yeah, they shut the bed. There's no two ways about it, and yeah, you could say Frankie's not there, Matthias isn't there, but like they still have a good team. I mean,
1: yeah exactly. <laughs> it's um, not
0: like it's a shit team relative to the group that they played in. I don't think there's many excuses for them not making it through
1: plus you you had a solid amount of money from the sales of Delict and de come commit you know yeah. well over a hundred million I mean this is go- I'm gonna go with pounds because that's my native, obviously my native currency, but You know, well over 100 million coming for the sales of those two. Um, It's up to you to invest it and invest it well. If you go in and buy 100 million pounds worth of useless goods, then that's your own fault for not reimbursing your squad. Yeah, it's hard to replace that direct talent with talent that's just as good. But you can still replace it with adequate talent. Um, You know, the market's a big place. So, yeah, I mean, that's... Again, that's their fault. I don't feel any sympathy at all for them. But, yeah, focusing on the tie that actually matters, which is obviously Manchester City versus Madrid. Uh, City not performing particularly well this season, are they, really? Not really. Uh, I mean, yeah, okay, context. You can say, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries, et cetera, et cetera. But, again, no sympathy. They are a side with an unlimited budget. A quite literally unlimited budget. Stupid amounts of money. Yeah, exactly. So you're telling me that they can't invest in a, a semi-decent bench? Come off it, man. You can. It again. It's up to you to invest in talent that's good enough to back up what you've got. It's not I, my fault that you've got true. bang average players in that side, like John Stones and Notamendi. Um. So yeah, I'm not gonna sympathise with somebody like that. Um. In terms of obviously by that point, I think they would have had Laporte back. I think Aguero should be back by that point. So obviously that will make it interesting. But by and large, I mean, City have not got the greatest record in the Champions League under Pep Guardiola, to be honest. Uh, I don't think they've gone further than the quarterfinals, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. Yeah, quarterfinals, well, yeah. Pep's
0: good, but Pep hasn't been good with City. So that's the difference.
1: Well, it, the way, and I have this debate with a lot of people. Like, He was brought in to win the Champions League. That's, that's what he was brought there. That was the remit. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't got anywhere close. I mean, Manuel Pellegrini went to the semis with an inferior squad. So, yeah. project failure so far. I guess you could say it to a degree. i mean, yeah, um, here, here. sorry. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, it's not like the easiest tie. I'm not going to say it's a complete walkover. Is it winnable? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, big game pedigree. Madrid is far superior. If you look across the team, generally speaking, I'd say Madrid is superior in most elements. I'd say they've got the better defense, midfield. I'd say it's better. Attack, you can argue. I'd uh, say they
0: have a better attack on paper. The question. Yeah, will... on
1: paper for sure. Yeah, you know they've got yeah. Bernardo Silva, world class. That, Leo Asane, I mean. world class. Raheem Sterling, world class. Aguero, world class.
0: The question is can they string the pieces together? Come match day.
1: Yeah, that and do they have the mentality for it? And I just don't think they do. Because if uh, they
0: if they go down a goal, like just like you said, mentality. If they go down a goal, do they have the experience and the know-how and the resiliency to come back? That's one thing this Real Madrid team has. Like, yeah, you can say Ronaldo's left wherever, but if the core of the team that's won these Champions League and Champions Leagues in the last six years, Still it's still just
1: there. as important, man. It's, it's just still as important there. As important. It's Sergio Ramos,
0: Rafael Varane, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, Casemiro, and up top, Karim Benzema. Like, that core right there is the reason why this team just pulls shit out of their ass when you least expect it, and they get results. You look at Manchester City, some of the weird results they've had this season, you have a 2-2 draw against Tottenham. Like that Tottenham that fired Mauricio Pochettino, you have a three-two loss to Norwich City. Then you look inside the Champions League. Yeah, sure they beat up Atalanta, excuse me, the first time they met five-one, but then outside of that, they ended up tying them later on one-one, and then they also tied Shakhtar Donetsk one-one. Then you tied Newcastle two-two. You've lost to Liverpool. Credit to Liverpool; they've been freaking amazing. It hasn't been the greatest, brightest campaign. From this team, and I think it was Gundogan who said, "Yeah, this ta- this league is pretty much over." I guess that's the one thing that might scare me about playing Manchester City, because the league t- the league for them is, in effect, really over. Unless somehow Liverpool just roll over and play dead, they might just put all their effort and attention into the Champions League. That would be the only reason Manchester City would scare me. And I think when we ranked these teams in the last podcast before the draw happened, I think Manchester City was a team after Leipzig, of course, that I said I would like to face the most because they just seem to be in the greatest of shambles in comparison to the other options that were there.
1: Yeah, I mean, compared to Liverpool, for example, who are at the peak of their powers, essentially.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. uh, obviously you've got Sadio Mane, who's been in very strong form. Mo Salah's just finding that form again. Um, and you, then you've got other players like Naby Keita who's been chipping in with goals as of late their back line is still pretty formidable Van Dijk's still the best centre-back in the world for me right now uh, their full-back pairing is monstrous and they've got an absolute world got an absolute world of a keeper in, in the goal probably the best keeper in the world right now alongside uh, Jan Oblak, and yeah you could probably still argue to Stegen given he's had a bit of a, a rougher season so far this year um, but yeah, they've they've got a very complete team. They and They're a very hard side to come up against. Although I do think that tie against Atletico will be a tasty tie. I think Simeone. I feel like Simeone's style of football is the kind of style that will cause them a problem. Um, but again, that's a, another argument for another day. But yeah, in terms of City versus Real, I just think Real just have the edge because they've been. They've been to the you know, the, the darkest element to the Champions League and they've they've scrapped their way out of those situations. Uh, yeah, okay, they might be without Ronaldo now, but again, that core is still there and that core knows how to win. There's not a single player in that champ in in that in that city squad who's got that level of Champions League experience. And when their backs have been against the wall, they've they've uh, got down on their knees and, and thrown the white flag up, they they quit. Well yeah. um I mean, so I don't they, think they've got it in them to dig deep and show some bollocks in that sense.
0: Well they don't. And I, I'm not saying the, the game plan is simple, but in my eyes, it's going to come down to two things. It's just, you can, I think you can quite easily overload the Manchester City defence with a healthy Carvajal and a healthy Mendy, if not Marcelo. And just stopping players through the middle of the park, having a strong Casemiro and Federico Valverde, if you can just quickly stunt any kind of creativity or passing ability from Kevin De Bruyne, or Sané if he plays, or Sergio Aguero, I think that's just going to be huge. Especially Kevin De Bruyne. I think he is their version of Tony Cruz. Like, he really just sets the team, and he gets them going. I think if you just shut those guys down, those two or three guys down, it's just going to be, like, really stale performance for Manchester City, because... I can't see. Yeah, Gabriel Jesus has good footwork, but like I can't see him being the one who's just like the creative maestro of Manchester City. Like, no offense to him, I don't see that happening.
1: Yeah, so, definitely not. He's a good player, I mean, Gabriel Jesus, a but point, really, yeah, don't see
0: a lot to them. I I really don't think they do.
1: Yeah, definitely not. And uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a good clash for sure. Um, but yeah, I think I think it is advantage Real Madrid in that. And that's not even from a biased, biased stance. It's um, it's just looking no. at, it, yeah. looking at yeah. it and looking at the context, I just think they have the better chance.
0: I really mean it. Like, player for player, if you look at the strongest starting elevens, I really do think that Madrid have the upper hand. Anyway, we're of course going to drop like a serious... I think this t- just this conversation alone has got me pretty hyped. So, we'll drop a series like tactical analysis kind of podcast. because um, I do watch a bit of Manchester City because my dad's a Manchester City fan. So, it's probably another team that I can actually speak to and I won't get slaughtered for it on Twitter. But yeah, I think that, uh, I think that wraps up this podcast. If you guys are interested, I actually, if Hassan, you're down too, I wouldn't mind previewing in one podcast or kind of just going over all the other, um, Matchups that are coming in the Champions League, like all the different draws, I think it'd be kind of cool. So if you are interested in that, let us know. Otherwise, we are going to be doing another podcast, which we'll release tomorrow, which is going to be on El Clasico, which, of course, is happening on Wednesday. And that's just going to be just about that. We're not talking about anything else. Of course, it's the biggest game of the season to date. So stay tuned for that. Also, I would really appreciate it if you could, however you listen to this podcast, if you could just drop a rating. If you don't like it, put whatever you want. If you love it, I'd appreciate the five stars. And just drop a comment in the rating. I'd really, really appreciate it. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for tomorrow's podcast. And as always, hala Madrid.